Hello, bonjour, welcome beyond the new to the Football Well English podcast. I'm your host Liam, and once again this week I'm joined by Tom. Hello, everyone. And Jonathan. Hi, everyone. As usual, we'll be reviewing matches from a while. We've got two to bring for you this week. Two big matches as well. San Etienne in the derby and an Olympico with Olympic Marseille. Um, the transfer window has now closed. It feels like we've been discussing it painfully on the podcast for probably three or four weeks now. Not a lot to report, but we've actually made some signings. So we'll be discussing those. Um, a couple of departures as well, so they'll be all discussed, so stick around for that. But first of all, in normal context, we'll be discussing the matches first. What feels like nearly three weeks ago now, it is nearly two weeks ago now, Leon were in action against San Etienne. Uh, a 1-0 win, probably not the most memorable derby of recent years, considering, you know, 5-0 victories, Tino's dreams, that sort of thing. But a win in the derbies, you know... Nonetheless, we'll take that. I guess, really, if you can remember, as we've just discussed before we started recording, it feels like a lifetime ago. But a 1-0 win's quite promising. And I guess, you know, the progression in the fact we're actually winning games compared to that barren run of draws, Tom, is positive, considering we discussed we need to build a run of victories to be able to get where we want to be before the end of the season. I mean, it, it was a copycat of the, the Trois game, sort of. I mean, it wasn't great. It's another penalty goal from Dembele. And, I mean, they meant Smail Webdela, the commentator on Amazon Prime last night, did mention it. You've got to score the penalty. You know, it's not just a... It's a not, I mean, yes, it is a good chance on goal. And I'm sure Liam might remember the top of his head what uh, the XG is for a penalty. But it's it's quite high, usually. Um so I, I think it's around 0.6, but I, I might be wrong. Uh, I think it's gotta... 0.7, I think. Okay, well, Don't that wasn't too far me. off. Uh, yeah. you still got to score it. So Dembele's got us the, the goals, and, you know, it, it was not entertaining performances. I mean, the, the Santa Ten one particularly, I don't remember anything significant from it. I think it's the Trois one, they, they gave it a try. Um, but it was a lot of rough tackles, uh, combativity, and determination to get the win um knowing that we've let go of a lot of results uh in december notably in november as well with late minute goals i think it's quite good that we are able to to win one nil and, and get the win uh i think a lot of people have said on twitter uh particularly after last night um the marseille game uh which we'll reflect on later but bosch has somewhat reevaluated his priorities in terms of Let's not just go full spectacle and actually try and get some points, which is good. Uh, I mean, we knew we were in for a rough ride at the start of the season, um, and it has been. I mean, at times it's been very chaotic and heart racing, but uh, at least we were getting the wins now, even if it's scrappy and a bit dull and a bit terrible, uh, at least we're getting the wins. So. I'll take that positive, uh, even if the content wasn't amazing. I mean, there was good shades of it, and again, good performances. We'll talk about Lukeba, I'm sure, a few times in this episode, but once again, showed great promises. And um, unfortunately, it was also Bruno's last game, um, but uh, he came out with a bang and did really well in his last game. So hats off to him and hats off to Bosch for, I guess, getting the win, although, you know, I think. There is a point to make of bad management and how to make substitutions, which he clearly doesn't know how to do. But, uh, you know, we get the win. 
can't complain with that. So here we are. Substitutions is something we um, also had to put up with under uh, Rudy Garcia. So I wouldn't say it's anything <laughs> too dissimilar with the fact we have uh, struggles with making substitutions and possibly even forgetting it there. But I think you, you're right in terms of the style seems to have switched to a bit more of a conservative focus with defence first rather than front foot first with the attack. I think that's why 1-0 wins with penalties. You're not going to be able to do that every week. But as you said, you've got to score them. Two 1-0 wins in a row, two clean sheets. It's rather positive considering, you know, some of the leads we've thrown away this season have been quite embarrassing. So a bit of consistency, 1-0 wins. Positive on that front. As you just mentioned, Tom, it was last game for Bruno, the double pivot between Kakari and um, Bruno is no more, Jonathan. I guess, really, how impressed were you with the duo considering probably six or seven podcasts back? We were possibly a bit critical of Kakare in the sense that he's going to have to go in that position. But I think towards the end, they'd really formed a partnership. So how impressed have you been with them over the last four or five games? And how sad is it that we're not going to be able to see Bruno in that double pivot with Kakare again? I think it's undeniable that they formed a good partnership. You know, they've been together playing for, let's say, a year of, of uh, full-time playing, and they complement each other well. Guimaraes is a little bit more uh, forward-oriented with his passing, and Kakre is a little bit more pressure-oriented on defense. Um, yeah, they, they formed a, a great duo, and I think, like most OL fans, we're very sad to see it end so soon. It, they were both so young, it felt like this was going to last for a long time. And so it's disappointing that we don't get to see that in the future. Um, but you know, with good players, they get big offers, and it's it's hard to keep them in, keep them. So um, yes, they were a great duo, but Kakre is still here, and he's going to get more responsibility and hopefully a bigger contract, and he will, you know, improve and associate with Ndombele. So you know, it's not all negative, unfortunately. Even though it's sad to see Bruno go. Um, we'll have to adapt and change complete style. You know, it's not going to be just two pivots. Maybe it's going to go back to a three-man midfield to support uh, the team. I think you make a fair point. It's it's sad to see Bruno go, and I'm sure we'll debate that a little bit later on. I think we've got some differing opinions on the business brought in and Bruno's departure, but I think you're right. When someone's offering to quadruple your salary, but... Um, you know, it's life-changing. It supports his family for the next few years. Playing in the Premier League is a dream for a lot of South American players as well. So it's kind of understandable. But I think it will um, re-emphasise the, I guess, pressure on Kakare to be the future of Leon's midfield. Tying him down to that contract will be massive. And I think, again, we'll discuss it when we're talking about Marseille. But that was another incredible performance from him as well. Uh, you touched on it yourself, Tom, about the penalty. Rather than talking about the goal too much, it's a penalty. There's not a lot to analyse. But I think in general, it looks like Dembele is going to be the one to lead the team going forward in the attacking line. I think from goals, whether it's penalties, tap-ins, or the great finish we saw against Marseille, which I'm sure we'll discuss later, how important is it that he's able to get into a run of goal-scoring form? And I guess for us as general, the whole team that, he looks to be getting back towards the level that we know he can produce week in, week out. 
think it was quite evident, even more so with <clears throat> with Marseille, that he changed the team. Um, and he changes the team not every week. I mean, he's been far uh, from his best level, um, even with five good goals at the start of the season, which were promising. Uh, but, you know, he's starting to get back to it. Um, I've always believed that he was incredibly talented, has the physique and the technical ability, uh, although we haven't seen the technical ability at times. Um, but he's always had the, the ability and the talent to make it to France's number nine. I think there is a possibility that if he really kicks it off at some point, he he gets a good... I mean, I'm not saying Lyon's a small club, far from it, but a lot of people, especially with last night's goal, could see why he could move to a Premier League this summer or next summer. And I think that would be a brilliant move. You know, take If Newcastle stay up, for example, I think that's definitely the right place for them uh, to invest. So if Dembele starts scoring a few goals by the end of the season, let's say another six or seven, uh, you know, it's 16 games, sounds about right. Um, he could get, a, you know, a decent move to, to the Premier League next summer and maybe kick it on. And who knows? You know, I think at this point in time, He's technically ahead of, of Martial, for example, if, if we compare him to other French strikers. So um, I think he's, he's going to be essential for the rest of the season. If, if he can lead the line, uh, he's got technically gifted players around him to, to feed him great balls. Um, if he can work a bit on his first touch, I mean, you know, he's close to Lukaku at Man United level at this point. But last night showed again that he's capable of doing magical things. Um, you know, once we, we had all the videos for Bruno leaving, there's that ball over the top and him just striking a left foot from earlier this season, which I totally forgot. And then I was like, well, that, that's just really impressive. And if he's got that in his locker, you know, it's it's not something that we see every week for sure. Uh, but hopefully we see that again, because that's definitely very impressive and something that not many players can do. So he's going to be essential if Bosch trusts him. Um, and he stays fit and stays away from COVID because that's the main reason why he was away um, as of late and you know just about made it into the team last night. Well, we're one in for one hell of a final part of the season, I guess. So, hats off to you, Musa. Uh, I really do hope that you know at least stay for the next season, but more importantly that you kick it off and that we can really trust you in the in the months to come in terms of of goals and even you know maybe. Maybe, who knows, being able to be a target man and actually being able to play with players around you rather than just being a goalpost in the middle of the park. Yeah, a big six months, and I'd say you're right, potentially, about touting moves to the Premier League in the summer. I think um, considering his goal against Marseille, the first touch comment may be a bit harsh, but I think you're right in terms of general general link-up play. I mean, that's the thing. I think past months have shown that it him and yeah. Slimani have been just on par in terms of controlling the ball and able, yeah. able to do anything with it. But last night he showed that actually maybe during COVID he, he's just run around his apartment with, with a football and decided, oh wait, I can actually control the ball and I can do something with it. So good on him. I think if he can do that again going forwards, it will... We'll analyse the goal. It's hard not to talk about it with how good it is, but we'll analyse it later. But I just think in general, if he can kick on with that vein of confidence, as you say, score maybe six or seven, maybe he can even do more than that. He's on the three. 
three-game scoring streak at the moment. We've seen him go on runs where he can score in seven or eight matches in a row. He's scored over 20 goals in a season for Leon before. So if he can do that again, it'll be massive to any success we do have. And the table is looking a bit more positive now for pushing for those European positions. So if anyone's going to be the main goal source, it looks like it's him. So promising signs on that front. Um, I guess for the whole performance in general, we've discussed pretty monotonous from a game point of view. 1-0 1-0 penalty. Looking at player performances in general, um, is there anyone in particular you can remember, Jonathan? No worries. If not, it feels like it's been an eternity, as I've said three or four times already. But is there anyone from the back of your mind that stood out against San Etienne? Right. I would say this, the centre-back line worked well. They felt like they were passing it amongst each other for most of the game, and they controlled the entire match. It, it it was, in my opinion, a very solid performance because it never at once, at one, any moment felt there was any pressure and that Saint-Étienne was going to score. So I would say Thiago Mendes played centre-back surprisingly well, considering the kind of match it was where it was them having the ball a lot um, and there wasn't many, many, anything for them to do because Kekure and Guimaraes did their job so well. Um, but I guess Lukeba again, I know we're going to talk about him a lot, but he won every duel again. I actually read a stat that he won every duel since he started in the last nine matches since he started as a starter for Lyon. So that's pretty unbelievable that he is so good, both on the ball and without the ball. So um, I would say the centre-back pairing, especially Lukeba. I think Lukeba in particular, I would agree. Mendes looked solid. We didn't have a lot to do, but... I just think the fact he's he's 19 or 20, around that age anyway, to be able to come into the back line. I know having Boateng alongside you helps, but when he wasn't playing just in general, he looks like the senior centre-back back there and someone that can be the future of the defence for the next four or five seasons if we're lucky enough to keep him that long. But when he's playing as he is, it wouldn't shock me if, you know, if he can do it for a full season next season, starting week in, week out, if Europe's big clubs were swirling around him with a big offer that we've seen for Titi in the past, other defenders like Thurlow Mendy as well. So fingers crossed that we can get the most out of him while he looks to be good. But I think he's the uh, epitome of what we expected under Boss when he came in, that a young, a young player would come through the ranks and really improve and show that he's got that emphasis on youth. And I think he's the only one really that shined out as a shining light from the academy this year coming through. But if someone well, next season can come through like Luke Eber, I think we're in really lucky hands because he's been brilliant this season. Gusto was more last season for me, but again, he's been another example of someone kicking on this season. And I've been a Dubois fan in the past, but I would say he's... Uh, He's displaced him in my memory for 100% with his recent performances. Were you, um, were you impressed with Gusto, Tom, against San Etienne or just his season so far in general? He had another good performance last night against Marseille. He's, he's amazing. I mean, he's obviously still, I think in Mosh's mind, if, if Dubois is fit to play, it looks likely that Dubois is going to continue playing. I mean, he's a captain. I can see why. Um, I mean, I can see why he's, continuously play because he's the captain. I can't see why he, on technical ability he's being taken ahead of Gusto, but that's the that I mean that the debate is there. Realistically, Gusto for the first half last night, for example, was the best player. And so there's no reason he's had very few performances when he's been bad. 
I can remember I can't remember which game he was sent off in, but that's probably one of his rare ones where he was not great. The Bordeaux game. <laughs> Again, being very touchy here, uh, where he passes it back to to Lopez and we get countered there. Um but I think generally he's been, you know, along with Flukeba has been one of the two great players from the academy. I mean, Lopez, we don't even we barely consider he's from the academy anymore at this point because he's been so long in the in the first team. But obviously him, Kakre, to an extent, Shirky have, have been, you know, stars. Uh, and and it's great to see Lukeba doing so well. I mean, you know, we all know that that Silva, for example, was brought in this summer. For his experience, and it looks like Luke Heber is about fifty years older than him on the pitch. Uh, so I, I don't know what that says about him. Uh, it just uh, ultimately it means that Luke Heber has been very good and has been very mature. Uh, to follow up on on Jonathan's stats, it's thirty-one duels, one out of thirty-one, uh, which very impressive. And I'll shout out another centre back who did really well on on the derby. It's um, well our good friend Kuluza Jack uh, who. Um, not only has a tattoo of uh, Leon's Fulvia on his left arm, but it was also given very nicely a penalty to us. And as usual, was incredible at the back of Saint-Étienne's uh, centre-back pairing. So hats off to you, Kolesajek, who played incredibly well uh, in this game, a lot more than any of his performances for Leon a few years ago. Seems to be a common theme when he comes up against Leon that whether it be a mistake or giving a penalty away or even a red card, I think we've seen in the past, he just loves the game in general. But uh, from our side of things, I'd agree with you, Gusto and Luca, but just in general look to be two brilliant talents that have come through the academy and prove why Leon's academy is one of the best regarded worldwide. Um, is there anyone else you want to mention from the San Etienne game? I think we've spent a lot of time talking about it to say we can't remember a lot about it. Any last comments before we move on to Marseille? I think the silence It's good is that we're getting points, I guess. It, it's just good <laughs> yeah, to win the derby. I mean, you win derbies, you, you have to win them, even if it's scrappy. It's not exactly 5-0, but you've got to win the derbies. So the wins off win. to that. Especially when so, we, we drew the first one this season in terrible fashion. So yeah. it's good that we won this one. The first game was pretty horrendous, <laughs> but yeah, a win's a win. Dembele in form, talking about Dembele being in form. He was a doubt for the Marseille game. I think just in general, before we discuss the match, just what were your hopes before the game, really? I think seeing Emerson play on the left wing, he has played there before. I vividly remember him playing there for Roma against Chelsea. I think he scored, actually, in the Champions League, but not his natural position. We've said already Bruno wasn't there. Paqueta away with international duty. Awa looks like he's going to be out for a few weeks, unfortunately. Um, Toko doing really well at AFCON, so he wasn't available. So we were really restricted. We only essentially had two attackers, senior ones that had played lots of minutes with Shakiri and Shirky. I could go on through the team, really, and talk about whether it be people playing out of position or inexperienced. What were your hopes? Were you expecting a drubbing, Jonathan, or were you cautiously optimistic, or were you like me, just saying a result is positive? I was actually pretty positive because I like to think that when you lack talent, usually you compensate with energy and you know a solid team. You know, many teams have limited rosters in Ligue 1, you know, and 
they don't have great offensive talent and they're able to have results against bigger teams. So to me, it's just about being solid defensively. And defensively, there was players, you know, Boateng, Lukeba was there, were there. So I thought, you know, there's a lot of defenders on the pitch. We just don't concede a goal. I was more leaning towards a 0-0. Um, you know, and, and I think I was pleasantly surprised by the Dembele's, I think without Dembele, we would not have had a result. So um, there's a little bit of luck in there because we didn't know that he would be playing. Um, but overall, the team did show solidity on defense and they showed that they believe in the coach. They showed they were able to adapt to the formation at halftime. And, you know, they, they were motivated. Um, I don't think you need to be motivated to play Marseille, but they definitely showed they wanted it more in the second half than Marseille did. And they didn't relent even when they scored and tied it. They didn't stop and, and go all the way back on defense. They kept playing. And uh, I think they were rewarded because they wanted it more. And that's sometimes the difference in, in football between winning and losing. You put it excellently there. I think just talking about the second half in general, well, you could even analyse the last 15 minutes. That just showed that for what we lacked in possibly technical ability or, you know, there was, in terms of the players on the pitch, there was a gap in quality. Marseille have got some really good players, but we made up for that with passion, work rate, energy. And in the end, I think um, dividends were paid just talking about the last 15 minutes in general, Tom, just to come back from a goal down, I think Wenduzi scored on six or seven minutes. So, you know, to concede early is not great. Again, from the near post on the corner, it's poor defending from Dubois. Um, should be better. But, you know, he's, again, talking about people playing out of position, he was playing as a centre-back at times, not exactly his natural position. But just to come back from that setback. I guess weather the storm a little bit and then, you know, go again. Shakiri with a goal and assist, and we'll talk about Dembele's goal. Just in general, how pleased we to see that reaction and can it kick start us going forwards on the back of a good run of victories? I think even before the last 15, um, you know, Peter Bosch has talk, talked about it with uh, on Amazon after the, after the game. And there was a change of setup at half time. Uh, so Gusto went into right wing, which wasn't too far off what um, he was actually doing in the first half. But at least, you know, he'd moved up a bit and there was more four at the back positioning. And that really changed things. Um, Leon was playing a lot higher, pressing Marseille. And and they were lost. And, and Marseille were like putting the level down a bit. They weren't incredible in the first half, far from it. I mean, they were creating chances. Payet was, again, creating all the good opportunities, but there, were nothing, there was nothing incredible. I mean, they, there's three shots from Guendouzi, I think might be the only thing that really struck me in the first half. But the lack of a centre-forward for Marseille just didn't help. Um, so as soon as we got back from the second half, you know, from half-time, we went straight back into it and really put our all into it. And you could tell that Marseille were starting to panic a bit. So I think it was only time was the only thing that was stopping us from, from scoring. I didn't expect two goals. I definitely thought by you know this hour mark, we would score at least one. And of all the likely things to happen, certainly not a header by Shakiri that I was expecting. Um, you know, one of his most important goals for the club. And, and it's a header. 
but one hell of a header. I mean, the, the first ball from, I think it's Boateng to Gusto is great. And Gusto's cross, incredible. And again, I mean, I've got a hat to uh, put my hat off. Uh, Shakiri. I, I was very critical with him at halftime. Um, there is a particular either a quarter kick or a very ex- like side free kick that he just skies, basically. And at that point, I, was, I just lost it. And I went onto Twitter and I was like, Shakiri, you've got to leave this club, basically. And then half an hour later, he's scoring the header. And I'm like, right, okay. Well, I mean, good karma for us once. Uh, that's good for us. And, I mean, we'll talk about Dembele, but it, it just generally I felt there was motivation. I mean, you've got to take into account the, the whole process that led up to this game. I mean, obviously the first game, nothing to do with the players. Nothing at all. I mean, there is that one fan who attacked Payet. Uh, we still don't really know if he was an actual Leon fan or whether he was a Marseille fan hit, hiding in the stands, but that's beyond the debate. We lost a point. We The game was moved around 50 times. While there's that Coupe de France game that came in for Marseille, which meant that there was no way of playing the game next week, there was still a general feeling that Marseille did everything so that we could play this game at a worst moment for us. To take advantage of not having either Paqueta or Bruno in there. So the motivation from the player was just like, as Jonathan said, lack of talent uh, compensates by energy. Motivation was there, not maybe from the start, but Crescendo came into the game and showed good character. And from a young squad like that, I mean, hats off to them. I mean, if you just take into consideration whether it's Lukeva's performance again or even Shirky's second half, hats off to him because, you know, he's he's been bundled around all season. He's not playing much, but as soon as he does play, he tries his absolute best, even in a position that didn't work at all for him. I mean, he's being crushed by, Luke, uh, by um, Saliba the whole game. But as soon as he moves out to the wing, he's tackling. I mean, that tackle at the end is... On the last seen anything like it from Shirky in, since he's arrived. So hats off to the, the whole team. Hats off to Bosch because it, it was also his game plan that changed everything. And originally I was a bit skeptic with having Emerson as a left winger and he clearly was out of place. But the energy that was put in, Enrique is a perfect example. I mean, en- Enrique is not the most talented player, but the energy he puts in every time and the absolute determination to do a bit better than just well um, is incredible. So hats off to everyone, and and I think we can take a lot of positives from that game. And obviously, the the excitement of beating Marseille is always great, and especially in that fashion. And just to see Guendouzi hitting a door when he left the stands, when he left the pitch, and just crushing his studs into the side of a of a wall, just um, it's a beautiful sight. It really is. I think that's what it's all about, really, and it getting one over on each other. The same with the derby, just in general, to winning those sorts of circumstances. It's not the first time we've seen that in the Olympico. Unfortunately, there weren't fans in the crowd to be able to witness it, but even still, just to win in those circumstances, fight for the shirt, and I guess two out of favour players in recent weeks, maybe not more so on Dembele's case, but particularly in Shakiri's to um, to impact the game like that is important. And touching on the that pair I've just mentioned, Jonathan, particularly Shakiri more so than Dembele, because we've touched on him recent on 
Justin. Talking about Shakiri, obviously, Tom mentioned his performance as a whole probably wasn't stellar, but we've also discussed on the podcast that he can do things in like fine moments, and I think we saw two of those against Marseille. Does that give you confidence that he can maybe kick on and have an impact for the rest of the season? And I guess really, what did you think of his his goal in particular ahead of which watching him at Liverpool and another six months of him here at Lyon, I don't think I've ever seen. And I think the assist is something we've seen quite frequently from him in his time in professional football. But how pleased were you to see him, I guess, maybe prove some of the doubters wrong, particularly we were discussing him about moving to the MLS probably three or four weeks ago. Um, you know, I'll be honest, I think he was very poor. And he didn't play well for most of the game. He had that great goal, a few shots on targets. Um, but really, he was not playing well. And he was taking set pieces terribly, as Tom said. And he cost our offense a lot. Um, so I don't know. I'd like to hope that this is a turning point for him and that this will make him, you know, feel part of the team, feel like he finally arrived, you know. And, of course, getting your name on the scoring sheet helps your confidence. But I, I, think, I think we won't see him very much once the full roster is here and, and Cherki is here and, and Paqueta and Fevre and, and Dombele and, and Adelaide. And I think he's going to be on the bench most of the time. And obviously he does bring the winning mentality and the experience, which is what he was brought for. So at least he gives us that. He, he can play in big moments and he's not faced by you know, the match, which is what he showed against Marseille that even though he was playing poorly, he still kept trying and trying and trying. And he tried a few shots from out there, a few, you know, long distance shots. And and when he scored, he was good. And then when he was repositioned in his right position, like we talk about in that number 10 role in the middle, then he was, and he had more options for Dembele. He, he, he played a little bit better, but I'm not going to get too excited and think, oh, he's our savior. What he is, is a, a player that comes off the bench for 10, 20 minutes can start if he has to, but really just an impact player off the bench who can um, deliver some passes and, and play the number 10 role when Paqueta or Awar need a breather. I find that I find your sentiments quite harsh there, to be honest. I can see what you say about his performance in general. I wouldn't say he was fantastic. A couple of his efforts were a bit wayward. Yeah, set pieces the same, but I think in general... If you look, even if you're going off his underlying numbers, he's played three key passes in the match, created two big chances, one of those which were an assist. Um, again, his goal in particular as well is really well taken. I think that's what the sort of play Shakiri is. You mentioned it in himself, that he can make an impact in games. He's not somebody that's going to scintillate for 90 minutes. He'll come up in moments, whether it be from a free kick or a really good pass or a good set-piece delivery. Not so much what we saw against Marseille, but I go back in times watching him for Liverpool, some of his corners or a free kick he scored against Lincoln, I can remember, was just majestic. So I think it's one of the performances for Shakir that typify Shakiri as a player for me, really, where he's not front and centre as the best player on the pitch, but when you look at his impact, he's the one that's changed the game. And there was moments where uh, you were probably right, he shouldn't have been on the pitch much longer, but by keeping him on the pitch, 
you've got what Shakiri can do. And I think without him, we wouldn't have got anything from that game. So I think it's probably a debate which has been discussed throughout Leon fans. I think I put a, a bit of a waxing lyrical tweet about him and I had someone re- reply saying he was shit. I mean, you know, if somebody's got a goal and assist, how can you be shit? The performance wasn't fantastic, but without him, we wouldn't have won the game. I think it's pretty simple. Goals win football matches. Assists create goals which win football matches. So I think he's got to be given credit on that front. Um, away from Shakiri, I think we could debate it going back and forth, really. But um, I guess for other positive performances, is there anyone else you would touch on, Tom, as particularly stand out? Certainly not Thiago Mendes. That's that's a that's a no. Um, I think Kakri. You know, Kakri keeps on going. He he keeps on on showing that and and can control midfield. He's obviously lost his partner in crime uh, in Bruno Guimaraes, but uh, we're hoping that him and Ndombele can create a good partnership afterwards. So I think there's certainly a lot of. Um, uh, and you know we we criticize a lot of of the rare performances we see from from Shirky, and it was obviously difficult for him up front. But as soon as he pushed to the left side, I mean that's that's probably one of his best performances in terms of maybe not technical abilities, uh, but like the crosses he was putting in, the balls he was putting in. I mean he nearly donated like the uh, assisted the goal of the season with Dembele's overhead kick. So I think there's certainly a lot of positive to take out of that and you know, just the determination. He's right in front of the touchline where Peter Bosch is sort of I don't think he had much of a go to Shirky. I think he applauded all of what Malogusto was doing, um, emphasizing that Lukeva pushes up to, to counter press. But you just know that Shirky is right in front of Peter Bosch. He knows at that point if he's gonna perform this is now or never. And he spent the whole second half running up and down Running a, uh, next to his teammates, um, uh, Kakre and his best friend, and it's just showing that determination to, to do well. So, I think once again, it's the academy boys who, who did extremely well. And, um, you know, obviously, Lopez didn't have much to do, but uh, just generally, there's a strong sentiment that although Bosch was clearly not a fan of certain young players at the start of the season, I can remember, especially in October, for example, there were. Very few that were playing. Lukeva was sort of not in the picture, and Shirky was barely playing. But we have a feeling that he's starting to come back. Obviously, there'll be more uh, players coming in. So Paqueta, Fevre, and Dombele, maybe even Jeffrey and Adelaide. All these players will probably be taking up all positions uh, in the in the team. But you know, uh, as soon as the young players from the academy play and they play well you've got a, an argument to, to keep them in. So well done to Shirky to show the determination to do well. And uh, hopefully we see more of him, especially on the wing uh, in the weeks to come. I think you make a good point about Shirky. I think it was you, Jonathan, I saw a tweet on Twitter that he um, he showed more from his work ethic side that he can work hard for boss, which is something that he's been asking for for a while. I remember the article, I think it was in, Ons Mundial back in July talking about what Boss wants him to do and I think we saw that a lot. Would you agree Shirky and the Academy were the standout from like in particular Gusto, Luke Bar, maybe Lopez as well, but probably not. <laughs> I mean, yeah, definitely. I mean 
Gusto for the first half man of the match. He was really the only one doing anything. He's a sprint maniac, as I said. He's he's nonstop up and down. You know, he's so dangerous. It's it's really fascinating to me now to see how much he's progressed and how he's taken Dubois' spot and 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 you. Even Bob, the captain's armband, he knows that Gusto deserves it. He even made a comment a few weeks ago. So Gusto was great in the first half. We already mentioned Lukeba, Cherki. I loved his defensive attitude, as as Tom said. And the fact that Bosch was right there next to him on the sideline was really cool because, you know, you could see he was really paying attention to him. And, and that shows that Bosch cares. He really does believe in Cherki because that's why he was so involved with his defensive energy. And I'm sure he was pleased with that. So that was great. Um... And, and besides that, you know, Dembele, we talked about, was super positive, and he finally was winning duels. Um, you know, we mentioned earlier his technical ability. I don't think he's very technical, but he does have good finishing skills, and finishing skills is what matters for a striker. Um, so he was he was obviously more than man of the match, and Kekre was everywhere, and so he stepped up after Guimaraes left, and he took over that midfield next to Mendes, who was invisible as always and so um i think yeah the academy was great i think the overall performance of the team was fantastic there was only one shot on target for for marseille and that other shot by under that almost scored but overall it really felt like although we weren't playing well offensively we did control the, the match defensively we didn't i didn't really feel like there's a lot of chances and it wasn't a match against Rennes or something or we're just like incapable of defending so um Great performance because of young players, you'll get really excited and you think there's a lot to build on. But I want to, you know, like like we, we talked about, most of these players are young and they go up and down. They have bad performances and they're going to be replaced by younger players. Cherki, I loved his match. We got to see him for 90 minutes. But, you know, when the starters come back, he's not going to be playing. There'll be Toko and Feb and Awa and Faketa. And those are the positions. And, you know, he'll play his... 15 minutes off the bench. So it's great for him to show that he is trying. I just hope that these moments are enough for him to want to stay at, at Lyon for another season because it is hard for him to get playing time with the amount of talent at midfields we have and attacking midfield. I think you make a very fair point about Shirky's future. Maybe that's something we'll discuss on another podcast. I think the contract situation... For a few players at the club, you've mentioned about giving Kakare that pay increase to keep him at the club as well. I think it's essential. These sorts of things are done in the transfer market. I think the summer's going to be massive, so that could be another topic for another podcast. But yeah, Shirky looked great in terms of work ethic, which is probably, I think we've seen it at times, but in terms of pressing, as you mentioned, Tom, that tackle, just putting himself about in a dimension we've not really seen before shows that he's probably learning and understanding that the uh, the stuff that's easy on the eye is nice and, you know, you can bring that into the game, but knowing when to do it and when you need to do the dirty work and the hard work is really important. So to see that from him probably gives us a bit more hope that probably not this season, but next season when there's a bit of transition in the squad, he can make some impact on the first team and hopefully start more than I think this was his third or fourth start of the season, which for someone of his quality is probably frustrating for him. Um, talking about summer and transfer windows, analysing the January transfer window, 
Leon did bring in two players. Romel Favre kind of came out of nowhere. I think it's more of a pre-planning for the summer where it's been discussed already. Lucas Paqueta and possibly Hussein Alwara likely to leave at least one of them. So I think bringing him in does make sense. I'll get your guys' opinions on it as well. And uh, the return of um, Tongyon Dombele, which again, I'm very excited about. Financially, 6.5 million for the whole world move is pretty hefty for somebody for six months. But I think when we saw his quality in his time at Lyon, it's something to get excited about. On the negative side of things, which we're going to discuss first, Bruno, unfortunately, departure. We've touched on it already, you know, quadrupling your salary. To the chance to play in the Premier League, thinking for his family, it makes sense from his side of things. I guess from Leon's side of things, where do we go now, Tom? Are you disappointed with the transfer? Are you happy that Ndombele is going to come in to replace him? Or are you a bit apprehensive for the next six months, considering the influence he had on Leon going forwards in progressive passing, etc.? I mean, it's... I know we had this debate on our group, uh, the three of us, and I sort of sided with Jonathan in terms of it was poor planning to let him go that late. Um, we did well in, in turnaround. I'll give the club that, that benefit of the doubt. Like there's that element that um, you know we could have finished the season with, without. Uh, that extra midfielder and would have seen Tego Mendes starting and Keita playing half the minutes, which would have worried me seriously. Um, we don't know whether um, whether uh, Jeffrey Nedelaide would continue and play on, um, but you know he Jeff would have probably slotted in a bit more. Uh, I don't know exactly what his role would be, but um, you know, there was definitely planning there and ultimately it's a heartbreak i mean yes uh there's a lot of reports going around that bruno was the one who pushed for the the move and to be honest when there's an opportunity to play in the premier league with four times the salary it's difficult to say no uh i i mean i've i'm obviously not in bruno's position but i think if if his agents had thought twice about it they probably could have got into a far bigger club this summer and Bruno was clearly attached to the club and really loved it, but you could feel from the last few weeks that that love was sort of withering away uh, as uh, interest started coming in and that he had issues with the way the club was managed and how Bosch was playing certain things. So it was not a huge surprise that Bruno would go. Um, I didn't expect it to be in this fashion and certainly not to Newcastle. Uh, I expected the club to be a bit more organised in terms of who they would have brought in. Um, I, I like this Ndombele deal um, as like I like Ndombele, not so much the deal itself. I think it's a lot of money for for six months and like the the buyback clause of sixty five million euros. That's five million euros more than what we sold him for, and he's clearly not been as good as he used to be when he left. So <laughs> I don't know if three years on the bench of a Premier League club uh, values five extra million, but like there's just no way he's going to be signed again. Now, I don't know if we'll mention this, but uh, press conference this afternoon uh, with Ola San Ponso sort of mentioned that Lacazette is an option for the summer and Toliso might even be an option. So at that point, it'd be really funny that Guimaraes 
replacing Dombele, who replaced Tolisso, and then we just go all the way backwards. Um, I don't know what it says about the club, but um, ultimately it was it was weird planning. The timing, especially, was was odd. Um, but you know, when Newcastle was scrambling to find good options of players to sign, I think they could have done far worse. I mean, I'm quite happy to to say that it's it's a good thing to see Bruno play in the Premier League. And I was quite happy to talk to all the journalists who wanted to talk about Bruno to me this week, including the Mail. Um, and you know, for any of the new listeners who might have read the the Mail's article, we're happy to have you here. Uh, we hope that you enjoy Bruno Guimaraes in the Premier League because he's one hell of a player, and you know, we really did love him once he was around. What does that mean in the months to come? Well, hopefully, Ndombele kicks off and not kicks off. <laughs> kicks the ground running and starts performing again like he used to um, when he left the club. Um, there's obviously shades of an incredible player. Um, you know, he's, he's a great passer. Uh, he's very physical. He's a great dribbler. Uh, as soon as you see the videos of compilations and so on of him and his time in Lyon, you see how well he worked with uh, Dembele. And I said it last night, it's funny that He's already had an impact on Dembele, although being at the club for only a day, uh, because that's a, certainly not what we expected from Dembele's performance last night. And as for Fev, I think he's a really talented bloke, and I think there's he sort of rings the bell of if ever Ludovic Blas would have signed for Leon. It's the type of player, that winger, that plays in a I'm not going to say an average club because the rest is not average. It's a top division club, but it's not exactly. Nice or uh, Lille or Monaco and so on. It's it's a second part of the table club, and Ludovic Blas has been doing that for years. You know, can go on not, and he's been scoring. There's talent there. Omar feels like he's he's gonna go onwards and upwards, and has been playing very well with the the youth team for France, especially. That's where I see him the most, and I hope he you know does very well. I mean, the fact that he was scouted by AC Milan very closely this summer says a lot about the talent he has and he seems from the people who've met him uh, since he's arrived at Lyon um, at the airport and so on he seems like a very down-to-earth guy and obviously knows a lot of the players you know between Kakre and Awar and Renard Adelaide I think he'll do very well I hope he does and you know that sort of solves the the hole we have in midfield it'll be a very different midfield Gimarash and Ndombele are very different players uh, but I'm sure we can kick off and, and do very well for the rest of the season with those players. I think the game, game rush, I, I, I feel weird calling that. I always call him Bruno. I think the Bruno deal is, I find it quite interesting from a perspective where, as you've said, the money, the deal to him makes sense. I get the side of caution with the fact we have three days to replace him. I think that's where the I guess anxiety came from the deal and I was in the same the same park really that letting him go is catastrophic. I think I even tweeted I'm done if we let him go to be honest, which at the time was probably a bit dramatic. But I think I wasn't the only one with that sentiment. I think Jonathan was the same on Twitter. I think there were a lot of OL fans the same on Twitter. So I guess now I've had time to sit not sit on the fence but sit away from it and, I guess, analyse it. It makes sense from his side of things. But from our side, I think 
the fact we've been able to buy someone of uh, Favre's quality, as you've just said, I think he's made for Leon. essentially. I've always looked at him and thought, if we can get him to play for Leon, he'd fit right. And he, he, I think he's an ideal replacement for Awa with the fact he can play on either flank, he can play as a number 10. Getting him in feels like a really good piece of business. So the fact he's been able to transition that is positive from my side of things. And then I think when you look at Ndombele, is he the same style of player as Bruno? No. Is he able to probably replicate some of the things Bruno's been able to do for the side? I would say so. I think in terms of controlling midfield, playing from deep, I guess the hard yards are probably going to be a bit more reliant on Kakare, but he's been taking that mantle through all the whole season anyway. Bruno was progressive in terms of his dribbles. I'm not expecting that massively from Ndombele to begin with, but I think you know if he can build his fitness up, we can see that from him. We remember the time he spent at Lyon. He was he what led to the club getting a record fee for him. The buyout clause to sign him back for 65 million euros is laughable, as you've said. But I think having him come back, as we've discussed in the press conference this afternoon, it's um, it's positive as an influence on the club. And I think for him to come back to familiar surroundings. Some of the club's players have remained the same. He'll know people in the dressing room as well. So it seems like a good move for him. And for six months, it's a good uh, good solution for, for Leon. I think there's there's the element that Ponzo is he's not a great negotiator. I mean, I would not send him to try and find me gifts in a Moroccan uh, souk. Like, there's just no way of him getting to negotiate a good deal out of that. I would certainly not send him to speak to Narcos traffickers either in terms of getting a good deal there. Like he's Tottenham might have said, you can have a buyback clause of thirty million, and he's gone. I'll have sixty-five, please. Can, can we do that? Can, can we double that? Yes. Okay. Good. So I've tried to negotiate, guys. I promise. I doubled the amount they were asking for. Right. Okay. Well, that's not good negotiation, is that? Um, I'd like to have actually your your thoughts on on the Slimani deal. Uh, I mean, he's left extremely late. Uh, obviously, we're we're missing. Toko can be for a few more days. Um, you know, we haven't talked about Toko in, in since the last episode, and I don't think we even mentioned him last time because he's been away. But hats off to him; like he's been having one hell of an Afcon, and he's guiding along with the greatest striker um, Africa's ever seen in Vincent Abubakar. Um, they they're guiding themselves all the way to the final. I, I generally feel that they can go quite far. Obviously, they're at a the semi-final stage and. By the time this episode is out, they might even be in the final. Um, so hats off to to him and hats off to to anyone of the players who've been involved from from Leon. I don't think um, Algeria did quite what they, they expected to do with Slimani. But um, on the topic of Slimani, I think um, you know it's a striker who we didn't we fought a lot of. I mean, I do remember George and I sort of saying he's going to score like fifteen to ten to fifteen goals by the end of his time. And me talking about, I think the exact words were grit and determination, and he's 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 not far from it. I mean, the grit and the determination has always been there. There's always been that element of I'm going to be the only one that's pressing in this team. Um, the only issue is he doesn't know how to use his feet, which is very unusual for a footballer. Um, I know that a lot of Algerian fans will say that he's he's one of the the greatest. Strikers they've had, and that's pretty fair. But I think 
since he's moved to the club, it's been very underwhelming. And, you know, good for him. You know, he's been um, a good father figure to, to Shirky in the dressing room and seems like he gets along with everyone and seems like a really nice guy, uh, but just isn't the footballer he used to be. So if he can rekindle that back in Lisbon, fine for him. I just think we'll we'll be missing a bit of a, a striker. But, you know, we also know that every time he would play, we would be disappointed. So... If if the club is refusing an, an opportunity for for Barcola to leave on loan, then I guess that means he's going to play more, and he certainly played a small part in last night's game. So hopefully, we see a bit more of Barcola. What do you feel about the you know the whole striker situation? Did you feel that we should have brought someone in rather than let someone go, or it is what it is? If you're asking me about Slamari, I'm just going to be honest and say he's. Steaming pile of garbage in his time at Lyon, to be honest. <laughs> Literally, I, I, I get the sentiments of hard work, determination. He probably had a nice friendship with Cherki and Awa due to Algerian descent. But I just think in general, the, the sentiment of letting him go on a free, I don't think we're going to miss him too much, to be honest. I think... Mentioning Toko Akambi, I wouldn't be shocked if we see him deployed as a striker in the second half of the season more often. You mentioned previously we weren't talking about Fav. We've got uh, Homo Fav, um, Lucas Paqueta, Hussam Awa, Jeffrey Adelaide, Real Shirky and Bakolu can all play in wide areas. So I think in general, whilst he's been immense on the left side of a front three or partnership or whatever for us in his time at Lille, I think People don't give him the credit he deserves. I think he's actually been really good. He's come up with some really big goals. Been the man of the group stages in the Europa League and he's showing again at AFCON. It genuinely wouldn't surprise me if we got some bids for him in the summer with the form he's shown this season in Europe and the AFCON. So credit to him. I think him coming back as a striker option kind of eases things a little bit. I think uh, Favre coming in almost eliminates the massive need for a striker because Toko can fill in that role but when you know we've read things today that like Asmoon went to um, Zenit's training yeah. camp to force through a move and encouraged um, his agents encouraged Leon to meet in Dubai to negotiate a transfer and then we said we'll wait a week and then before we know it he's gone to Violated cruising for a free transfer, and then by the end of the transfer window, he's gone six months early as well because Zenit have actually signed a replacement. It just makes you think it is poor management on that side of things, but I'm a bit less miffed off than I would have been two weeks ago with not oh, having sure. signed a striker because I think the fact we've got another wide option in, which I think we needed in the summer anyway, I didn't even mention Shakira either in wide options, mm. so. I think the quality we've got in wide areas means Toko Akambi can play that striker or which he may not be as suited to after playing on the wing so often, but I think in his time at Alger, he played as an out-and-out number nine and his goal-scoring record. I remember back, it was about 18 goals he scored that season. So if he can do that again, then fair enough. I don't think we need to be too worried about the striker situation, but it would have been nice to have someone come in. I think we're going to sign in the summer. I think we're... We're dying out for somebody who knows where the back of the net is. So Tokyo can be coming back will be a massive boost. 
Where would where do you think uh, Tuchel Cambi would go? You know, realistically, I think he could go back to Spain, but I I could see him start for Burnley as well. I could see him at Everton. I don't know why. Uh, just Calvert Lewin like an and Tuchel Cambi could be one hell of a partnership. It feels like an Everton signing, you know. Tuchel Cambi in league and is adequate when he's not on form, but when you know he's really on form, yeah. he's arguably one of the most prolific forwards in the league. I think Everton are the sort of club who look at that and then end up ruining footballers, you know, just in general. There's nothing... My Liverpool links tie into this, but you look at Everton's track record of signing forwards and talking like Sandro Ramirez, Gerard Delefeu, Kevin Morales. Who did you say, sorry? Salomon Rondon. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, even (laughs) Kate Tosson. It's just like... These are players who've all had really good records elsewhere and then come to Everton and end up being, as I've said about Slomani, a steaming pile of garbage. So, it... I could see him starting for Newcastle as well. Yeah, Newcastle again. Bruno and Togo can be reenacting the the famous duo from from the capital of... the ex-capital of France. I I could could definitely see that with Saint-Maximin coming in from (laughs) left wing and Joe Willock just behind him. I, I, I just, I just that won't surprise me either. But I think, in seriousness, we should be looking to keep Tuchel Cambi because he's a senior option at twenty. Yeah, for sure. goals internationally and domestically. So getting him back is going to be massive. I think, in terms of signing a striker, you mentioned Lacazette earlier. I guess the comments that Olas has basically declared in which is kind of rare, declaring that we're going to try sign someone in the summer. I know he's a bit of an outspoken character, but to go, you know, basically slapping it out on the table, our key tra- transfer target from the summer is Lacazette. You mentioned Toledo as well. It's almost like getting the band back together, like a school of rock type situation. <laughs> but... <laughs> In general, I think. I mean, it, what are your thoughts on him? Lacazette coming back to Leon? We, I discussed it. I, I put in the podcast about two weeks ago, and we dismissed it straight away. Now it looks like it's a possible option. I still don't think we'll be able to convince him, but I guess what would it be like having Lacazette back at Leon, and the fact that even Ponzo's endorsed it as well. I mean. It suits Ponzo because it means he doesn't even have to open FM anymore to, to look for other players. He just has to look into history books of OL and see, oh, who's the top striker that we've had before and who still plays football? Okay, Sonny Anderson, no, doesn't play anymore. Sidney Govu, mm, doesn't play anymore. Lisandro Lopez, just about not retired. Who's left? Baffer Timbi Gomez? Oh no, he's in Middle East. Oh, that's not going to work. Oh, now he's, he's in Turkey. Oh. oh my God, he's in Turkey now. Maybe you could sign him next year. I mean, he, he's rejuvenated in Turkey. Who knows? I did read oh, somewhere have... that he was considered as an option. Well, that wouldn't surprise <laughs> me, to be somewhere. honest. And I'm sure he was probably he was probably an option for Saint-Étienne as well, who have been doing a transfer also, window based in 2010. I mean, Enzo Crivelli <laughs> is... <laughs> Is just not it. Um, so no, I, I think Lacazette would be is not the player he was when he left. Not in terms of level, he just changes his game. He's more of a 
I don't want to say a Benzema type, but there is the element that he plays a lot deeper than he used to, and he's not as clinical in front of goal, but he's still got that that personality and that love for the club. I think there was an interview from Telefoot a few weeks ago where he said he's texting, he's trying to text Jean-Michel Olas, and that Olas is not answering his texts, which is quite funny seeing the declaration we get today. Um, Tuliso also said it would be funny for us to all come back together, but then again, there's that element that I see on Twitter is the, the Tuliso cycle. So Tuliso is incredible. Oh my God, let's get a new contract. Oh, he's injured for six months. Let's get him out of the club. Scores an absolute banger on his return from injury. Let's sign a new contract. And it just keeps on going because you're never too sure if Tuliso is going to be injured yeah. or like the world best midfielder. But even if he doesn't sign a new contract for Bayern, which I think he will, he will sign to Man United or he'll sign for Chelsea. I, Kovacic and Kante, like Tolisa under yeah. Tuchel, would just be incredible. Um, and or he signs to Newcastle. I, I again don't know. It seems like his buddy yeah. uh, Nicholas Zula would probably go to Newcastle. So yeah. maybe Tolisa. Tolisa deserves better. Tolisa deserves. Yes, I think you're right. Manchester United, Chelsea, Juventus. Atletico. Yeah. I could definitely see him at Atletico yeah. replacing Partey, for example. Um, he'd be great there. Although I think he loves football a bit too much to play that rubbish football yeah. that uh, Cholo plays. Um, but yeah, all in all, I think, yeah, I think reenacting, re putting the band all back together. Um, unless it's one direction, I don't see why you would do it. <laughs> <laughs> I think it'd only go in one direction, to be honest, and that's backward. <laughs> I think when you know Lacazette's thirty, I think bringing him back makes sense. I think. He's a bit more of a, a facilitator yeah. than, you know, the clinical goal-scoring forward that we witnessed for four seasons. I mean, we need back. a clinical striker. We need that clinical Yeah, we striker. do. I think the, in league he would be that. Yeah, I mean, it's not the, the attacking options that are missing around him, but we don't exactly have, even if we do sign someone like, I don't know, taking Bergvine because that's on top of my head, but like a speedy winger that can go in behind and use Lacazette as a central focus point, we don't have that. It's not Omar Fevre. I mean, Omar Fevre is, is technically gifted, but he's not a speedster. It's going to go in behind the fine lines. Toko can be, at best, could, but again, I don't see how that would work. So we need that top striker up front, like Dembele should be at this point of his career. Um, might be eventually by the summer, but we need that person who's going to score goals like Lacazette would uh, back in 2017, I think Lacazette will it happen? No, Probably not. It's, he's got to divide his salary by at least half, if not more, and he's still be the yeah. best played player at the club, which I don't see happening. And it, as you've just mentioned about cycles, it'd be um, you know Dembele comes in to replace the void less by yeah. Lacazette, and then we replace Dembele with Lacazette. Okay, who's this? Is, is Verkutre coming back in for Lopez? <laughs> It just gets to a point where I love Lacazette. He's one of the main reasons why in the early two, uh, 2010s I got into supporting Leon. But, you know, if we're going to move forward as a club and generally think about moving forwards, signing players from the past whilst having Ndombele back to rejuvenate his career for six months is excellent. Bringing the band back together just doesn't make sense at no. all to me. Tolisso, I would take in a heartbeat because I think he's still For at sure. that world-class level. But, but you'd never sign. 
he wouldn't sign. And I think you might find the same situation with uh, Lacazette, to be honest. If Leon finish sixth or seventh, where we currently mm. are, maybe fifth, getting a Europa Conference spot, I think he could go to a Champions League club and whether it be playing on the bench or as an experience. I mean, to be honest, if, he, if we make it into the Conference League, I'd probably be better off than Arsenal. So I don't know. That's, that's not true. ahead of ourselves. True, but the money he's earning at Arsenal and he's already said he wants to leave Arsenal. So I think that makes a free transfer if you can do it, bring him back. But I just think bringing the whole band back together, we may as well get Titi back, as you mentioned. The group. Oh, God, yes. Get, get yeah. Chris from Goal FC and stick him as centre back. Luka Tuzar, that's a good one <laughs> as well. But Tuzar was linked with Juventus on deadline day, which was they they forgot. They keep me. on remembering the goal he scored against them. That's why. Yeah, they're having nightmares. Yeah. Bringing back the band together, I don't expect. But yeah, I think no. this conversations changed from Bruno reminiscing <laughs> <laughs> about teenage years of watching Leon actually play nice football. Oh yes. But Nabil Fakir's next. Nabil Fakir should be next. Well, if we can bring Fakir back, I'll I'll bring him. I'll pay for his flight or whatever in general. But I think we will again, win. dreaming, dreaming. In general, I think Bruno's going to be a big miss. But and Dombele coming back to the club, if we can, I guess rejuvenate his career in a sense, and I guess we kind of kick started it. If we can get him back on track, and there'll be. I'd I'll love leave. for him to, to go back into the France squad if if he spends very good months yeah. here. Which, again, isn't impossible. I think no. if we can be the stepping stone for him to kickstart his career back, whether that be at Tottenham, hopefully not Tottenham, I just don't think it's a good fit. But yeah. I think he could go to Italy or Spain and still play on that top level. And I think he'd have been a great pick-up for Paris as well. Oh, so, he'd be amazing. I mean, him, him or Tolisso would be great pickups for, for yeah. Paris. So if he can kickstart his career after six months by giving us a platform to build upon and whether that be bringing through someone like Habib Keita or sign with the replacements, out of context we're linked with, Orel Mangala, um, the midfielder who plays for Chalaroy, but the name... Zorgan. Zorgan, yeah. His name escaped me. And um, Elias... Slicky. or... Um, from... Cole, Claude, wherever you're yeah. from, he was another option as well. But Ndombele for six months isn't the worst option. Um, Jonathan um, has joined us back for transfer discussion. Just want to get your, the final word, Jonathan, on transfers. What What's your opinion on Noel's transfer business? Just sweet and short before we end the podcast. It was a huge roller coaster. Um, when it first happened and the Guimaraes trade happened, I was so furious. I mean, I was ready to quit. On Lyon, and you know, I've been a supporter my entire life. I I haven't missed a match in I don't know how many years, and I was so disappointed um, that we would sell someone mid-season. That was really my main point. You know, I get that in the summer you let go of your most valuable pieces. That's the history of the club. But mid-season and in the the desperate need we are for for points, I didn't understand the sale. Um, reports have come since that maybe Guimaraes wanted to leave because. The salary was humongous. And if that's true, then obviously that changes my opinion of the sale. Um, but I don't, I'll don't. i never know the truth to that. I still like to believe that Guimaraes wanted to finish the season at Lyon and that Newcastle would be coming back later. Um, but who knows? And as for arrivals, you know, Ndombele for Guimaraes is 
quite quite good. I have to say, I, I was not expecting us to have someone so good replace uh, Guimaraes. I was expecting us to play with Santiago Mendes for the rest of the season or have some young player um, that would come in who we don't know much about. So, you know, getting Ndombele to fill in just for six months, good idea. It, it is overpaying him, and I don't know what his mental state is. I know there's a the press conference today was, oh, it's a win-win, he wants to play. But I never like players who will, who have no intent of staying more than a few months. You know, he, he doesn't, there's no chance that option is used, and so he's leaving in, in four months. So does he really care if we don't finish on the podium or not, or finishes? It doesn't matter to him. He cares about his individual performances and getting playing time, and that's not really the team spirit that I, I would expect. So I have doubts about that, but his talent is unquestionable. He is a top, top midfielder when he wants to be. His technique is, is amazing. Um, and Fevre is a, is a good Ligue 1 player. Goes back to our policy of, of getting good Ligue 1 players to add to our team and will have good value in, in the future. So I think he's good. I do think that I don't know who will play where because Awa, I, 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 I believe, will still have the favors of the coach when he's fit. So, you know, it is interesting that it's competition, but it is the plan for the future. So overall, two good arrivals. They saved a lot of money. They now can't say that they're broke for a bit. Um, so let's just hope that this keeps going. In the summer, they bring back our boy Lacazette and bring back Todiso. And then, you know, I'm, I'm pleased. So, you know, that would be the dream. But, you know, as, as Tom says often, I don't know if you can really dream with Lyon that often. There's uh, more reasons to be unhappy usually than we are to be happy. So we'll see what happens. And I'll have to see it to believe it that Lacazette will sign that contract. So we'll see. My, my great bio, uh, a formidable reason to be unhappy. <laughs> unhappy. I, I think, Jonathan, happy is the right word for me as well. I think going forwards, there's a bit of things to be optimistic about. Bruno, not so much. You, you touch on the Lacazette conversation, which me and Tom have just spent about 15 minutes talking about. But in general, there's... There's another four months, five months left of the season, as you've said. There's things to be optimistic about that, you know, we can hopefully get into European competition and hopefully go far in the Europa League. Transfers are transfers, players come and go. Bruno's a, a big miss, but, you know, we'll get over it and move on and hope that Ndombele can kick on for the next six months. And then his replacement, whether that be Toliso, as you mentioned about the cycle earlier on, Tom, um, can force his way in and make a big impact or whoever that may be fingers crossed on that front but I think from the transfers we could talk for hours but I'm conscious we've got other places to be and other things to do so <laughs> thanks for listening as always we'll be discussing Monaco I think it is next in yep. the next podcast uh, so that'll be out early next week big episodes up ahead I think with, with Rennes and Lens and all those yeah, big games it's, it, it's a big run I think everybody's in and around us for the next three or four matches so this could potentially decide the season so hopefully we can add some more positives to the podcast but thanks for your support as always um, let us know your opinions on and on Bele and Faber as a replacement for Bruno and we'll catch you on the next one thanks guys bye